0: Hello and welcome to the b 2 B's podcast, the best place to collect killer ideas for big business. And today we have got a beast in the building. She is a former marketing executive turned mastermind of personal branding. She's currently the CEO of Unicorn Brand Builders, where she helps entrepreneurs hit unicorn status by integrating their personal brand and business to scale. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Stephanie Couch.
1: Hey everybody. Thanks for having me, Travis.
0: Thank you. Thank a you for bit, sharing.
1: It's like one step away from a WWE walkout song, so I'm excited yeah. really about
0: it. We just need to get the song good. I'll let I'll let people do that on future seasons. <laughs> they get to pick their their walkout song. I like it. <laughs> Um, amazing Uh, super super grateful for you to share your time your talent your expertise with us here today where are you tuning in from
1: well today i'm actually in the northeast georgia mountains so i'm visiting some family this is where i'm originally from about two hours north of atlanta so i'm up here in the mountains
0: oh i love it love it what are you most grateful for right now in your life, your business, your entire world? What's what's top of mind?
1: That's a really good question. I am grateful that I'm getting to do the thing that I love the most and being able to do it with my husband. We actually work together And so that's really fun for me. And we've been able to do a lot of traveling together and just really live kind of the life we want to live. And it's what I've been wanting to do for a long time. So I'm finally getting to do that. And I'm really excited about it.
0: Oh, love it. Love seeing those worlds collide. Um, It's not always the case, but it's, uh, it seems like a nice sweet spot. Yeah. For, for life and business to mix, especially for us Folks that can't seem to escape the the business side and uh, hanging on LinkedIn, and all, all that fun stuff, because so, you really have a brilliant approach and strategy towards all of that. So you didn't start here, though, is uh, the interesting and the fascinating part here. So let's capture your story from what we could see from the outside. You've really had kind of a run through uh, marketing roles but in construction and very like blue collar industries so a very you've brought this very specific angle um towards everything you do i'd love to hear what is the origin i guess of of your, your origin story and what were kind of the pivot points that really started bringing you to where you're at today
1: Well, I was born into a family business, so I was really blessed to have a dad who was an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur, and we had a family-run lumberyard that I just loved from basically birth. I mean, I wanted to go to work with my dad all the time. I was a Girl Scout, so I had my Girl Scout cookie hustle going, and like I would take my Girl Scout cookies and hustle it to all the contractors. Like, I was, from day one, I was who I am. Like, there was no evolution, really. I just kind of came out of the womb, like, wanting to be who I am. Just, this Stephanie, right? So, went to school, you know, worked. I always had a job. Like, I just wanted to work. I like to make my own money. Went to college, graduated, came back, and I worked in my dad's business, which was a, a small lumberyard, but very successful. We did a lot of custom building, uh, distributing lumber and stuff for them. And then I went and worked for a big Fortune 500 for 10 years and was able to kind of work in a niche part of their business, which was really cool because it was like trailblazing all the time, almost like a startup, but with the CapEx from a big Fortune 500 that can pay for everything, you know, um, like the best of both worlds. So learned a lot, lived around a lot, did a lot. It was really a fun time and then just decided like, if I can do it for them, I can do it for myself. So I'm going to go see what happens.
0: Oh, I love it, love it, love it. Um no, that we see it over and over especially here uh in this context the power of the pivot. Um and I'm sure all of those lessons and experience and everything you've learned along the way is now coming to fruition in everything you're building and and using. It's amazing to see that journey. Yeah. I'm curious on that journey. Perhaps was there a Less glorious, less beautiful moment. Do you have an epic failure uh, that you've worked through on this journey, and perhaps we can extract some lessons from that?
1: Sure, I have a lot of epic failures. I, mean, <laughs> I think, I think as you grow in your career, like you're gonna have them, right? And it, honestly, if you don't, then you're probably not doing much risk taking and you're not really trying very hard. So I definitely believe in that. um So I don't really have a lot of regrets. I just have like learned lessons. Uh, but I had a lot of lessons from when I first became a manager of people. It was it was really a hard time. Like, everything was crazy. And I did some things. I actually have a post coming up about this week on LinkedIn. Like, I just really did some stuff that probably I, sh- I knew. Like, oh, you should have someone else in this meeting. Or like, you should have help with this. Or you should ask. I was like, I got it. They're busy. I didn't have it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, it, it, just, it just didn't go like it could have gone, you know? And look, I learned a lot of lessons from it and like nobody died. It was fine, but it just it was just a failure on my part. And so I really had to learn about self-awareness and, you know, um, a lot of empathy stuff. You know, we care a lot about ourselves like we all do. And that's good. Like you need to advocate for yourself. I talk about that a lot, especially with women like no one's going to advocate for you like you will. But you also, when you have a team, it's sort of a different story, right? And when you're thrown into this team and you have a lot of people and there's a lot of moving parts, especially in a startup, like things can go awry and you throw COVID in the mix. And then it's like, what are we doing here? So I had a lot of failures there. And then but we, had, when my husband and I started our business, like everything you do is a failure because <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to record this thing real quick. Can you take five minutes or... I'm just gonna go do this QuickBooks, and we'll get it like no big deal. Like seven hours later, you're trying to figure out what the hell you're doing, and so I mean, like every day, you know, the first few months, it was just technology. Like, and we're both pretty tech savvy. I the people that aren't tech savvy, like I, I say a real big prayer for you because it's tough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, those are amazing. And you've, you've brought up two, yeah, some, some interesting points to dive uh, a little deeper in. The first one, in the context of when to ask for help, when to recognize that threshold. Um, I think a lot of us, we teeter totter on that spectrum of autonomy. Um, versus the other people that are truly just like so over dependent on yeah. like <laughs> needing their handheld every step. Obviously, we want to find like a sweet spot. You don't want to struggle in the autonomy zone trying to take care of everything on your own. Yeah. So, how do you navigate that threshold of what now that you've kind of been through those experiences of what, where that threshold was like, nope, definitely should have asked for help or had somebody on board for that. How do we navigate that? And, essentially see or what signals or thresholds should we be looking for?
1: Well, one thing that I've really discovered that's helped me a lot and is also helping a lot of my clients is I'm a strengths development coach through Gallup now, and I do the Clifton Strengths Report with my clients. A lot of times they come up with, you know, a lot of insights from that, that they didn't know about themselves. So I think the first thing is really knowing your own strengths, right? So if you know what you're exceptionally good at and what you really love and what you're doing well naturally and you've also worked through experience to get better at that and become a real habit, be a strength, then you're probably going to need less help in those areas. That's not to say you don't need help or mentorship, but there are certain things that I'm just really good at, and there's certain things my husband is just really good at. And so, same thing with you. We know what those things are, or we should know. And if we don't, then that's how that assessment kind of helps line that out. And then those things lean into and then you delegate the rest if you can. Now look, solopreneurship, entrepreneurship, when you start out, like who are you gonna delegate it to? You can't afford to pay someone, right? So that's where you start to like as you grow the things you hate the most that you're the worst at, delegate those first, you know? And that's kind of how I've gone about it. And I, I tell a lot of my business coaching clients that same thing with branding and coaching. Look, if you're if you have a really great business and you're trying to build your personal brand, but you are really bad at Canva and you hate content writing, and you have the money to outsource that, and what you will get from that is more than what you would pay the person to do it, why would you not outsource it? Now, you want it to still be you, you want it to still sound like your brand, but that can be done by a great marketer that understands you and knows who you are. That can be done. And you're still available for the content strategy. You're just not the one that's writing every word of copy. So I think that's one of the things that I've learned is like, if it's not something that I really am great at, I'm going to try to delegate it and let someone else that is great at it do it.
0: Boom. I love that. To be able to, yeah, explore it rationally. And it really comes down to self-awareness. Yeah. Just being able to really commit and understand with clarity and no ego, like, well, oh, here's my threshold not touching the website here you we go um versus the opposite um of recognizing as a founder as a leader as a vp there's not anybody else that you can rely on at, at a certain point you just have to buck up and do it so we're going to see that threshold and both of them stem on self-awareness and just kill, kill the ego yeah no, <laughs> oh, and, and it's
1: about time versus the value of money right like just because you can figure out how to do something doesn't mean you should. And also, this is something one of my former mentors taught me, and it stuck with me through the years. So she was uh, very high in the company, and she had a team of people under her, and then they had a team under them. And she said, when I start to ask myself, like, here's a task, here's a you an know, email, whatever it is that comes in, I say, what can only I do? And if only I can do it, then I keep it. And then I, the next layer down, I say, well, what can only my team do? And if they can do it, but I, I, I don't have to, but they have to, then I give it to them. And then if not, then it rolls to the next layer so that these tasks that are, they're important, but they're not like only you task. you're not, you know, mucked up in those all day because then you're doing stuff nine to five and you're like, where did the day go? And she told me that it was like, oh my goodness, I'm an idiot because I've been spending my time trying to prove that I can do all these little tasks, which you can do, but it's a waste of your time because someone else can do them and they can't do the thing only you can do. So I thank her for that. She told me that like five years ago. And of all the things she ever told me that like stuck really hard, you know, like a post-it note on my forehead. So that's a great lesson is what can only you do?
0: No, and that becomes the seed of scalability for the rest of that all to start and getting those tiers and those rolls. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, get it, get it rolling, get the reps in, start ingraining that uh, early as possible. Love that. Perhaps there's another exciting story to tap into in your adventures so far, even in the blue collar world and now more so in the digital realm. What is the craziest or most creative way perhaps someone has earned your attention or business
1: huh it's a really good question
0: and if you don't have one yourself you can and you've seen one oh, we can we can back up on that as well, well.
1: I'll give you an example of like the craziest thing that I've seen in marketing lately is liquid deaf water like it's water in a can it's literally water it's not sparkly or anything i don't think maybe it is i i don't drink it my husband does and i'm like what is that like does it have something cool in it and he's like oh it's just water <laughs> water like we get for free out of the filtered thing in our house and he's like yeah but it has a can of the skull i'm like oh my god these people are geniuses and why did i not take a piss yeah <laughs> so, it's like it's really funny i actually saw another post um I think it's, uh, it's either Serafina or Sugarfina gummy bears. You know what I'm talking about? They're like super high-end gummy bears. They have champagne flavored gummy bears. They have all this different stuff. And they're in these little tiny, like two by two inch packages. And they're like $14 for a little package of them But they have beautiful branding and like amazing packaging. And people, I've fought them before. People pay all this money for them. They aren't good gummy bears, but they're gummy bears. They probably cost them like two cents to make the thing, 10 cents to make the packaging, and you're paying fourteen ninety nine. So I guess the point of this, and this is a lesson that I've had a lot in my life because I used to sell doors, okay? So that was my background. I helped scale a door business for a distributor distributor in the U.S. And you would think like, A door is just a door, right? Nope, wrong answer. People come in every day and they want $10,000, $20,000 doors for their front door. And when someone wants something and they can afford it, it doesn't really matter what it costs if it's a good quality product and they want it. And that's a lesson that I learned is never make yourself a commodity. Like you got what they want and they will pay because the value that you're giving them is still higher than what they're paying you. And so you don't ever want to be in the commodity market. I never wanted to sell commodities in the building materials market because of that. But you want to be the person that's on the high-end scale that's giving a super awesome value to them.
0: Amen, amen to this one. I'm buzzing over here because I see it over and over Um, in some of our industries of even just agencies themselves. I just watch them and race to the bottom trying to get more the, the, with the expectation more clients is better um, with really, especially in B2B in the higher ticket you go, you definitely want to be in that upper echelon um, of everything because the middle with your marketing, your pricing, everything, the middle is where you go to disappear. Um, so then people, instead of trying to climb up and go against the grain they race to the bottom, lowering prices, do another sale, another discount, a false a false scarcity post, um, uh, and it just deteriorates that brand. So I, I love that you prioritize that focus on make sure you can be the premium option. Love it. Love
1: it. And, and businesses that I coach, I want to feel that way, too, you know, because you have something that only you can offer as a person and your business should be that way, too. And even if you have a lot of competitors in the market that are doing something similar, you should still be able to differentiate. And that's just how you you make a business that's scalable and sellable if you ever want to sell it because you've got this process and this system that works that is worth what they paid for.
0: Mm, love it. Love it. Well, this is a great transition into understanding Your world, your secret sauce, your approach to things. I'd love to tap in um, to your day-to-day structure now. When you jump into a day of life and business, this whole adventure, what habit or task is non-negotiable? What's something that you just have to make sure happens every day? Or ideally every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it most days in the morning, I get up, I meditate, or do um, I have an app that's a coaching thing called Positive Intelligence. It's pretty life changing. And so I do that every day. It actually kind of retrains your brain neurons to work a different way. So when you have these sabotage uh, moments in your life, that it basically gets you right back to the sage. Wow. Do you know it? Wow.
0: Okay. Take your notes. Heard of it? Yeah. Nope, but it's already uh, it's already half downloaded here on my phone. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's <laughs>
1: uh, pretty cool. And then I, I also uh like several days a week to the gym with my husband and we spend time doing that. He's a personal trainer. So we go and do that together. It's sort of like a bonding, you know, time together just in the morning. And then usually I have, you know, morning time either some kind of networking or an event, or I'm doing like fo- hard focus work. So that first four hours of my day, I really like to knock out the things that are non-negotiable tasks. And then the afternoon, I can catch up on other things. Mm, The morning is my best thinking time. So if I'm going to do something creative or do something really focused, I need to do it in the morning.
0: Touche. Um, yeah. The <laughs> the energy tank drains <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> um, so in that these habits and kind of your day to day structure or even the business side when you're going to running things, what tool or applications or kind of tech stack um, do you roll with? What's your go to like have to have tool or app that you've used?
1: Well, on the consulting side, when I'm doing big projects, especially when they have several people in the project that need deadlines and, hey, I'm waiting on you to do this thing and I need to be able to see it, I use monday.com for that for project management. Uh, That's worked really well for me. I actually used to use that in my corporate job, so I just kind of transitioned that over. And then I also use several tools for like content creation, um, just as far as like restream, things like that. I also do all of my scheduling on LinkedIn natively, so I don't have to use anything for that. And then I use Hootsuite for my other social platforms. Um, but those are really, I mean, I have a lot of different things. You know, there's ClickFunnels, there's all this other stuff, but mostly I try to keep it simple. I feel like I already have too many tech tools, honestly. It's, it's, that's probably the most overwhelming part of entrepreneurship is. You know, you go on LinkedIn and like Justin Welch says, use these four things. And then someone else is like, here's 40 things you need. And now you introduce AI and it's like, well, you can use this Jasper chat GPT or now there's like 50 different options every day. I mean, i literally see something every day. Top 15 tools for AI that came out this week. And you're like, how the hell am I supposed to keep up with this? So I would say this is what I tell my clients. Pick three big rocks. In your business, pick three big rocks that you really want to focus on. And if one of them is social media, then you probably may need some tech stuff to do that. If one of them is like project management or CRM, you may need something for that. But don't get crazy because it will overwhelm you so fast when you're starting out. You'll spend seven hours a day trying to figure out tech stuff and you're not generating revenue. And then you're like up the creek without a paddle
0: dang it's uh it's very very easy to get pulled into uh, uh every one of those tools as yeah. somebody who has explored possibly every free trial and demo of anything you can dabble into um and now they're browser extensions so it's like always there it's like it's gotten really crazy so i think yeah we do see over and over that in most cases there is and eighty twenty at play. What are those big, those three big rocks? I like the way you phrase it because it really simplifies the equation of LinkedIn's working for me, podcasting, SEO. Or like, boom, boom, boom. Those are our signals. Like, we don't need to be doing TikTok dances and like whatever just because some intern in marketing said that we need to um, well, I love really- that. You
1: can always go there later. Like, (laughs) just because you can't today doesn't mean you can't tomorrow or next week or next year. But it's just you got to get this like going in stage one before you can go do 50 other things.
0: Exactly. Now, I think finding finding those three big rocks and investing your efforts into the systems around that is really what creates that scalability. And then at a certain degree, yeah, you don't have the same amount of energy and effort to get the same amount of results and now that extra bandwidth new channel boom but the people that yeah spread too thin you just end up spinning your wheels so I love 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 channeling that focus is so powerful Um, so let's twist the narrative towards your specific approach let's can let's boil it down to all this history you've got all this uh, digital exploration that you're clearly rocking and rolling I see on LinkedIn like every freaking day. (laughs) Um, So I would love to hear what is your specific process or strategy for success in personal branding?
1: So the first number one thing is to be yourself and not try to be copycat of someone else because their thing worked for them. So, you know, when I first read alex harazi's book i was 100 billion dollar offers so was like this cat is a freaking genius i mean he is i love Layla. um bucket list want to be friends with both of them because you know me and my husband are power couple number two 2.0 yes, well, love I, would, it. I would love to you know emulate some of the things he does because he is a genius but i'm not gonna make videos in Jork and crocs with a nose strip on because that's not who i am <laughs> It rocks for Alex, but it's not me, right? So you got to do your thing. Um, I'm, I've am i always been kind of a weirdo because I was a woman that was young and blonde and wears pearls and likes to dress, you know, in floral print dresses. And I was in the lumber industry my whole life. So I never really fit in. And even in high school, I always was just like, I'm going to do what I want and wear what I want and who I am. So I never really had the... You know, what do I do? I just was going to show up as me. But that is not always so easy, right? Because if showing up as you doesn't work the first few times, and you're like, well, maybe I should show up as me minus this or plus this or whatever it is. So, the number one lesson I would say is like, figure out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. And then you need to lean into that and don't try to get a million views or a million likes or try to talk to every single person because they are not always going to like you. And going viral actually doesn't do a whole lot for your business. It doesn't convert. I mean, it's cool and it feels really awesome to be able to say I had a million views on this post. But I mean, how many sales did you get from it? Because that's what matters. Or how many relationships did you form from it? Or whatever the metric is that you're measuring, probably all of those. So be yourself, use your strengths, and talk like you talk to your friends or like you're talking on, you know, any conversation. That's what people resonate with. They want you to be real. They want you to be who you are, and they are going to find you if you're for them. And know that everyone is not going to like you. And also know you're going to get some weird-ass comments, like really weird. (laughs) The first month I was posting hardcore on LinkedIn, I was just like, I cannot believe they think this is tender. And I'm married and I posted about being married. So it's like, you guys are not getting a memo here. But then I started thinking, I wonder how many times this works. Like, do you ever send a message on LinkedIn that's like, you're so hot. I want to marry you, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, you're like, oh my God, you're it. You're it. I've been waiting on you to send me this message. Here we go. Let's get married. Even though I'm married, i will just been held You're out. This cat just LinkedIn messaged me with a two sentence message proposing and I'm all in. I don't know, maybe it works. I, I mean, it must work with someone. Like, it's, a num- do it's
0: just a numbers game, bro. Just- <laughs>
1: it has to be funny. <laughs> but the, the biggest part is just be yourself. And it's a long game. Like, you're not going to do it in a month. You're not going to do it in a week. You know, one post a week is not going to do it. you got to be consistent with anything in life. And that's the problem is we're all super impatient. Like, I'm the most impatient person ever. Some of my strengths, uh, like I have activator in my strengths, which is like a get it started, go get it, fire energy bunny person. And if it doesn't happen quick enough for like, hey, it's been 36 minutes. Why are we waiting on this? You know, so you got to get past that. You got to be able to say, I need to post every day for a year. And then if it doesn't work, then come talk to me.
0: Amen. Now we see it over and over that consistency is the keystone in a lot of these content strategies. Um, even yet, when it comes to figuring out your brand, your style, your format, just even the c- types of content is yep. a huge piece, um, for people to really pay attention to and not do the copycat thing of, oh, I saw this format, I need to do the same. It's very much finding your own style, your own fashion, your own version that you can wear authentically. And you do, you have a, a unique approach in blending. Business with the personal brand, which often has been for a lot of folks, especially the the older corporate like suit and tie folks, like that is giving a lot of people anxiety of what well, my personal brand is over here, my personal lives over here, and my business stuff is over here. But you've really found uh, a sweet spot, and again, approaching it authentically. Of we're approaching a new world where that really is often becoming emerged life in in many cases
1: that's gonna be the next like apple stock you either buy it or you regret it later right and that's the thing is these corporate uh c-suite and up they're scared to death of it and i know this because i've talked to a lot of them about it and they're like (laughs) i'm not posting that on linkedin like I'll lurk and I'll maybe like something, maybe if it's got my company logo on it, but that's it, right? And they're on LinkedIn all the time. Like, that's the funniest part is like, you can see like they're on, you know, but the cool part about it is that number one, you don't have to share everything. Like you don't have to share all of your personal details. That doesn't mean personal branding is like you share everything, a reality show that's actually unscripted. Like, this is not Vanderpump Rules here or, you know, whatever, Housewives of Dallas. You can show what you want. And if you're having a really bad day and you don't feel like posting, just don't post or maybe post like something. Hey, everything's not always sunshine and rainbows because people actually want to see that you're a real human. Like, I have really bad days and there's some days I'm like, why am I doing this? I had a real like, job at corporate, a salary that came in no matter what. And I'm having a rough day and it could have been easier to stay there. And then the next day I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I like to try to share that everything is not always like kittens and unicorns. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, this is a tough day. It's just real life. So if C-suite executives, if you look at the numbers on their personal pages, people like Gary Vee or people, you know, all these different people that post, they have so much more of following on their personal page than on their actual corporate pages. And I believe that's only going to continue. It's literally free marketing for your company. And it helps people resonate with who you are as a person at a company. And also, it just shows a little more of you that you're not some stiff, you know, C-suite executive that doesn't have a heart that never cares about any of their people. You can post real stuff.
0: Yes. No, I think you. It, it, that's a really realistic approach instead of just being, there are a lot of people that are just like, let's all, go all in, share it all. Like, and then you do have the opposite. There is people making note of your branding or posting your macaroni and cheese at 11 a.m. Like, yeah, okay, maybe there's not a threshold there, but having a content strategy behind it and selective authenticity. So you're always your authentic self, but what I'm kind of seeing visually as you're just choosing what pieces and what parts to show. You're not creating a facade. It's not a character. It's not anything fake. But you do have full control over what people see and don't see. So I love that approach of keep it authentic at the core and you don't have to pull the whole curtain back and show everything. Uh, Just choose those pieces.
1: Yeah, exactly. Turn off the lens. You know, have your bad day or talk about a bad day. That's up to you. And also, like you can just start small. You can do one or two posts a week about more business stuff, and then you can go into talking about something else if you want.
0: It is no, it really is a a recipe for success that does require some strategy. That I hope folks start to at least dip their toe in getting that consistency because it isn't going to be an overnight thing. But you do have to get the rhythm going, get the reps going, um, and the business results are over and over and over. We just see everything goes like up, up and to the right because people just enjoy knowing the story, seeing the story, building in public, and recognizing there's people that really are only not maybe not only, but primarily buying because of you or who's behind it. What's that why, that mission, that person. And I love that you've pushed that to the forefront of the people that are scared of it most. Um, Because if you lean into it, there is a lot of magic. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your secret sauce with us, Stephanie. Uh, We're now going to play the world's fastest game show ever. A little bit of this or that. We're going to have three rounds of randomly generated options here. They will be learning together. (laughs) All you got to do is pick one or the other, and then we got a special prize for you on the other end.
1: Okay. I'm excited. Round
0: one. Food, truck, or restaurant?
1: Mm, Restaurant.
0: Boom. Quick quick and easy on that one. All, All right. Halloween or Christmas?
1: Halloween because my husband's favorite holiday and he gets so much joy out of it and so just seeing him love it so much I like Halloween.
0: That is the most selfless answer I think we've heard on this game show. <laughs> Amazing. Like
1: a uh, child loves it. Like he likes he likes to hand out candy like uh, do the house. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love it. All right, round 3, final round. Singing or dancing?
1: Oh, definitely singing. I'm an opera singer, so.
0: Whoa, there we go. Okay, well, there we go. See, I love this game. <laughs> I never would have stumbled onto that with a pre-scripted question.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Amazing. You just beat the game, actually, and your prize, Stephanie. Can you go ahead and share for the folks that are interested, how can we get a hold of you, and where do we get started to at minimum, follow your journey um, and more ideally, get started on working with you.
1: So the best place to follow me is LinkedIn. And I do have other channels. I post on videos, some stuff on Instagram and YouTube. But LinkedIn is really my main platform. And so you can follow me, Stephanie Couch. And I have a masterclass starting soon. It is going to be the Uniform Brand Builder Masterclass. And I'm also working with clients one-on-one in um, more of a traditional creative fashion, helping them really grow their marketing, their personal brand, and also helping them scale their business. So I love that. That's what I did in my former life. And it's been really fun to help lots of clients do that and really unleash their strengths into superpowers. So that's what I'm doing. So you can find me there and hit me up on LinkedIn and we can talk more.
0: Mmm, perfect, perfect. And heavily, heavily recommend uh, that follow on LinkedIn. A great, great example to just really see it being done right in a fun and positive, energetic, but still a super professional way. So um, that is what I keep seeing. So before we get to our last question, I just have to double down on that acknowledgement and appreciation, because I do see lots of people on this journey, a lot of people playing the copycat for Mosey games, a lot of uh, folks just doing it right, doing it wrong, and you are definitely in a category of very respectable admiration and just putting in the work, those hours, those years, really, at this point, um, for that to come to life. It is known, it is seen, and it is deeply appreciated.
1: You never know, though. I could have Crocs on. You can't see my feet.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, love it. Love it.
1: You know,
0: just keep a little bit of mystery. Just keep a little bit of mystery. Keep them guessing. (laughs) Um, But let's jump to our final question. We're going to give you the mic one last time because the rest was all systems, strategies. But this last question is for one specific listener that might be starting their journey or perhaps just stuck taking it to the next level what advice or motivation can you share to send them into beast mode
1: all right i'm gonna give you three fun get it done facts right now so number one make your difference your differentiator So whatever it is about you, that's the weird thing, the cool thing that's different than everybody else, lean in fully to that. So I'm a blonde from the construction world that sings opera. I'm leaned in fully like, you know, that's me. So whatever you got that you're like, that thing is that differentiator, lean into that. Number two is sometimes good is good enough and perfect is definitely the enemy of progress. So you are not gonna have a perfect business. You're not gonna have anything that happens in your life where it's like, oh, I did such a great job that I got 100 on this. Life is not school. And it took me a long time to figure that out and unwind that from my brain where I was like, I gotta be perfect. So don't let that stop you from going and actually acting on what you want. And then the third thing, and this is an Alan Cervasi quote, you cannot fail if you will not quit. That is something that I've had to tune in like every day is, I sucked at this today. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Period. Even the best in the world started and they sucked. Gary V talks about in his book, Crushing It, like the first time he made a video. It was atrocious and it's hilarious. And he like watches it and just laughs. But he's probably the four, you know, front leader of social media content in the whole world right now. And so He started. You got to start. So don't try to just wait until you're really ready because you're not ever going to do it. So just know if you don't quit, you're never going to fail.
0: Boom. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Be to beast podcast. This has been Stephanie Couch.
1: Thanks, everyone. You're a beast.